Welcome, movie fans, back for another Anatomy of Movie as we dissect Hollywood's first feature to go and chronicle the Armenian genocides. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We go back to the First World War, uh, initially called the Great War, although I don't love that title. I don't think it's that great. (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, Anyway, the movie's called The Promise. We're here to talk about it. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. And I'm Phil Svitek. I'm, um, for lack of a better term, and take this the way it's intended, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie opened people's eyes to what the atrocities were in during the world war that we may not have known and i admittedly i didn't really know much about the armenian genocide event down back then and i think it's good this is what i think hollywood and not just hollywood but like what movies or television shows or any type of media of this platform can really be used (laughs) utilized well when it shows you like a historical event that we all should know about it's a learning thing Absolutely. And uh, a couple of quick things. Number one, as you can probably tell by the title and everything else, we're very spoiler-filled. Although we are talking historical context, this is a movie, so there's movie context. But if you, uh, So if you don't want anything spoiled, stop now. Go see the movie, then check us back, back out. If you don't care, then you've been warned. Secondly, feel free to uh, download our rundown in the description, um, so that way you get all the various um, finer details that we pull into the discussion a lot to talk about there. Um, we'll try to have a nice mix with this one. I was trying to figure out how to best do it. Do you just sort of talk about the movie? How far do you go to the actual events and so forth? So we'll try to give you a nice mix of both. Um, you know, as, as Marissa said, she's not an um, Armenian genocide expert. Um, I'm not in particular either. I tried to do as much research on this. Mm-hmm. Um, by no means do I claim to be. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I've learned in the past is that, uh, you know, everyone says, like, the Holocaust... From my experience, most people I interact with, oh, like, okay, great, the Holocaust was a one-time incident. Glad, you know, it's never going to happen again. Um, From my perspective, that's a false statement because Holocausts happen all the time. I mean, there's still genocides, you know, whether you go back to Sudan um, and so forth, uh, Tibet and, and, and whatnot... So I'm glad this movie, in particular for me, highlighted what happened in Turkey with the Armenians in particular. But um, it's sad to say that genocides are still um, well and alive in today's day and age. Yeah, and like I think it was interesting you brought up a ho- like yes, Holocaust happened, but genocides happens overall, you know, around the world and in different times of the world, they're just labeled differently. You have the Holocaust, you have genocides here and there. And I think it's I think this film did a good job of showing us like what happened during World War One. People think of like certain countries that are involved, but other people don't know all the stories and everything that happened when every when the sh- focus was shifted to someone else where this was also happening here that we, we need to know about. And partly too just you know, for context before we kind of dive into it, <coughs> um, you know, with even obviously, I, I feel like there's a lot more World War II movies in general. Um, for whatever reason, World War One movies still, in that same sense, deal a lot with Germany um, and so forth. And so you forget, in some sense, that the Ottoman Empire was huge. Yeah. Um, and in fact, probably like you know, I'm not a historian, but at around the time, like bigger than germany like germany at that time was unifying itself it wasn't really structured the way it was certainly not now but not even like the east and west germany type of situation it was it was for lack of a better term providences yeah unifying itself and also like establishing itself as a country and like Mm -hmm. finding their their place in in the world um, and that's what I find interesting, interesting that people know the Ottoman Empire, but not like the vast um, knowledge of what they did and what they <coughs> accomplished and like what they were capable of, which I find scary knowing that this happened. Yeah. So if nothing else, um, I'll just, you know, the message at least that we try to get out, at least my message, um, definitely take notice of this, some of this stuff. Um, I know sometimes it can be overwhelming. I know sometimes you're like, how can I help? Um, I don't necessarily know the answer to it, but 
if nothing else, just, just having compassion and being aware of it as much as you can be um, is certainly a start. Yeah, it's just more cognizant of what happened in the world. So Absolutely. But let's uh, shift gears a little bit and uh, focus on this movie. So, Marissa, overall thoughts about this movie? I thought it was interesting when uh, I thought already it was established as like a beautiful cinematography and the color <laughs> palette. I really enjoyed like visually. It was quite stunning to watch. I like the characters. Um, the actors themselves are great and they all stand alone individually, um, you know, being uh, Oscar Isaacs, Christian Bale and Charlotte Lebon. I think all of them are just fantastic actors in them uh, of themselves and so put them together. You know, you already have like a strong cast. But watching this, I went in. With, uh, admittedly with like a fresh palette and I didn't really know what it was about but um, now learning about Armenian gen- genocide it opened my eyes to a lot of different things um, and being a romantic myself I did like the romantic storyline which I, I know a lot of people really didn't but we'll get into it but overall I enjoyed the movie the ending is what made me mad as an audience member watching everything and I'm like no at the end but overall, I think it was quite the spectacle. Um, it was it was visual, um, great to watch, and then also what I took out of it, I took a lot out. So powerful images. Yes, powerful images that left with um, a resonating feeling and thought afterwards. Excellent. Well, um, I actually, you know I didn't necessarily mind the the love triangle to be honest. Um, I think this. This movie could have deserved a better title only because, you know, in terms of the promise that he made to come back, um, you know, believe it or not, about two-thirds of the way, we sort of complete that part of it, and then it's a non-issue. So it's not like the full thread of the movie. It's just sort of the catalyst, I guess, for all this. So I think, you know, perhaps it it, it could have done with a better title. Mm -hmm. Um, And the one thing, you know, uh, if anything... I, I was sort of torn. I, w- I would have liked to hear from her perspective, Anna, why she didn't love Chris as much. Everyone seemed to have this problem with Chris, but I didn't. I was like, okay, well, he's just. I get that he's not Armenian and so forth. Um, I mean, he wasn't Billy Zane from Titanic. Let's just say that. Right. right. Um, I mean, I can understand that. I I saw there was. I think it was, maybe it was the actress. I found there was more chemistry between. Mikhail and and Anna, but um, and those two together, and I liked watching them two together. And then when we saw it, and you throw in the American who we should biasly root for, um, I think like the way that they established his character. Yeah, he is. He has his moments where he's a jerk, but overall, at the end, he does have good intentions. He wants to get the word out of what's happening. Um, but I I liked the the two main actors. More and then I think that's what I liked about the triangle because throughout the movie you are rooting for those two to be together. Yeah, and some not that they were afforded that opportunity. I just wish they could have had that conversation, and it could have been a simpler answer. I like, I don't need it to be grand, and I don't. I don't think I would have necessarily been put off by this, but like it's just that you know he's my people, and we're both Armenians, and there's mm-hmm. just that and like you know like you're a good guy, Chris, but we're just both Armenians and you know um, that's it something along as simple as that could have still worked yeah um, I was just more surprised that like she was still with him after all this in like even he knew about it mm-hmm. and they still stayed together mm-hmm. and I'm like okay so this is going to be a through line throughout the whole film it's going to be these three yeah. you know in this triangle yes indeed but let's uh, <laughs> as we always do we tease and then we pull back so <laughs> yeah um, before we dive into more story, let's talk about how, how this really got started um, and how it took off. And uh, Marissa, why don't, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so the the late billionaire investor um, who used to own G- MGM, Kirk Kerkorian, um, this was basically a passion project for him, and he bankrolled this <coughs> entire film. But back then, uh, this was... Pr- a few years ago that he he knew about the story um you know in the 1919 about the armenian genocide and he just fell in love or like uh, he was fascinated towards the idea of this happening and it wasn't really um told from hollywood's perspective not like hollywood's a bad thing but like the fact that we don't have many movies covering this topic he wanted to do it and he is you know he's super rich so that helped 
actually help finance this movie because it's something he just wanted to get that out into the public. Yeah, and this is sort of jumping the gun, but um, proceeds are going to charity from from this movie. So, I mean, <coughs> the budget for this movie, a hundred million. A lot. That's a, you know that that's that's a lot of money, and especially what I what I do praise them for. They did make it out of love. Uh, obviously, I want to see them make back their money. Mm-hmm. I want to see them make money. But I truly think they're actually okay, and we'll talk box office numbers. The only reason I'm disappointed with the box office is because it means more people haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Um, but it seems like they just truly want to get the word out, which is great to hear. Yeah, and we know it is technically – it was a passion project. Um, Kirk Kerkorian said that in multiple interviews. Like he just really wanted to get this film out there, and for that I applaud him. And interestingly enough, I've, you know, that's sort of a true spirit of it. Um, you know, he died in 2015, and so he never got to actually see the project completed, but that's how much he believed in this project. And, uh, you know, the, it's obviously sad, but it's great to, to know that sort of his last mm-hmm. gift to the world does live on. Yeah. Um, in that sense. Um, you know, one of the things that we'll definitely talk about um, as well is that the Turkish government was sort of opposed to this um, in conjunction. They were doing their own movie um, at the time, which is sort of basically counter um, counterfact like, is the term that people are saying. And, you know, um, it's interesting to know. I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't necessarily doubt that, uh, you know, but at the same time, like, you can't. For my money, you can't necessarily scrap what the Armenian genocide was. You know, I don't. I don't think you could just completely sweep it on the rug. Oh, no. um, to give you guys a little context, I, f- I figured it, it, it would be a good starting off point to talk about what the genocide was. Now, this is from ArmenianGenocide.org. So this is from their perspective. I'm not saying this is the history, but this is from their perspective, and you can find out much more on their website and so forth. But. Um, the atrocities committed against the Armenian people of the Ottoman Empire during World War I are called the Armenian Genocide. Um, genocide is the organized killing of, pe- of a people for the express purpose of putting an end to their collective existence. Because of its scope, genocide requires central planning and a machinery to implement them. This makes genocide the qu- quintessential state crime as only a government has the resources to carry out such a scheme of destruction. The Armenian Genocide was centrally planned and, and administered by the Turkish government against the entire Armenian population of the Ottoman Empire. It was carried out during World War I between the years of 1915 and 1918. The Armenian people were subjected to deportation, abduction, torture, massacre, and starvation. The great bulk of the Armenian population was forcibly removed from, the Armenian, uh, from Armenia um, to Syria, where the vast majority was sent into the desert to lie of thirst and hunger. Large numbers of Armenians were methodically massacred throughout the Ottoman Empire, women and children abducted and horribly abused. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the entire wealth of the Armenian people was ex- expropriated. <coughs> expropriated. After only a little more than a year of, of calm at the end of World War I, the atrocities were renewed between 1920 and 1923, and the Romanian Armenians were subjected to further massacres in 1915. Um, 33 years before the UN Genocide Convention was adopted, the Armenian Genocide was condemned by the International Committee as a crime against humanity. And that's interesting information to know because this this happened within a few years and then it stopped for a little bit and then it's continued. And that's the, the sad thing that this happened over a expansion of years and not many people knew it. And the fact it's not getting the proper recognition or... Um, you know, just the the proper recognition that this happened um, is disheartening, very disheartening. Yeah, it's one of those things like um, we can't really move forward until you admit your faults. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Um, again, it, I want to try to do a fine enough balance of balancing history as well as the story. So um, let's dive back into the writing of this. Um, Robin... <laughs> Robbins record and Terry George. Terry George, who is also um, 
the director of this film. But basically, this this script was written for the most part in in its entirety by Robin Swicord um, back in like two thousand four four era um, or era, but that that time period. So the the script was pretty much already well flushed out, and then it was George. George, who came in, and he he kind of rewrit, rewritten a little bit to, you know, work on this, the structure of the characters and build that love triangle into the story. But, yeah, he actually, the director, came later on into the project. It was already kind of up, up yeah. you know, and running. And I, I thought Terry, as a director overall, did a great job. I mean, he's it seems like he has a passion for this, a knack for this Um the most significant one that I remember of his, like Hotel Rwanda, yes. Um, obviously, similar subject matter, different location. Also, a big genocide, and that's a very bloody movie. Have you ever seen it? I have seen yes, Hotel it, Rwanda, um, and I think he did a great job in that film, um, expressing like what happened and what went down. And I, he, he definitely understands genocide and like <coughs> which parties are affected and how how scary it is. It can be, and knowing that he he handled the subject matter in um, in a very good way and. Um, it's a big undertaking to take it on again for a second different type of genocide. Yeah, I mean, one of the things the movies for me didn't go into too um, was obviously the sort of where this hate came from. But I, in some sense, if I had to explain it um, in terms of the movie context, it doesn't matter because where does hate come from for any one of us, right? They're just mm-hmm. you view it as they're different, and that's it. That's good, good enough reason. Um, but conversely, I like the fact that um, there were enough characters within the Turkish team, let's say, um, where they weren't all monsters. They weren't all painted as bad people. You know, um, our, our friend um, Emre, right? Yeah. Uh, he he embodies that perfectly and a couple other people with smaller roles as well. Yeah, and I like that because even you can call them side characters, the 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 smaller characters, but they were still pivotal in the fact that everyone is involved in this, no matter how big the characters were in the film. But, like, you can see where not everyone is black and white, and there are people who are just stuck in the middle, and they're doing the best they can do to survive on both ends. Absolutely. And, you know, um, it's a great story. Like, the, the reason I like the movie, it starts off, very simple in terms of its goal, right? Um, Mikhail's goal is to bring medicine back into, for lack of a better term, his village. Mm-hmm. And he wants to be the greatest doctor and, you know, and, and really be able to help out. <coughs> and it's very noble, right? And it establishes those similarities just in terms of people. So that way, as an audience, we don't go thinking, well, oh, wow, they're different. No, it's, they all have the same goals. Yeah, exactly. Like even the the quick voiceover at the beginning, establishing the movie and setting the tone, it shows that his character is a good character. He's not a violent person. He went in strictly just for education and learning and bringing, like you said, back to his people to help out. He is already within the first ten seconds established that he's the protagonist. He's a good guy who got caught in the middle of all of this. Absolutely, as, as they all did, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. One of the things that I get, I do somewhat appreciate um, for that they inserted it in, but then didn't make it over heavy handed. Was remember his father says to him like, "Hey, you know, God's given you this path, go with it." You know, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was a nice sentiment, um, but at the same time, again, it, they didn't have to hit over the head multiple times as some other movies sometimes do. Yeah, and you know, establishing that his character, you know, wanted to learn medicine and become a doctor. In the end, it did kind of help him, too, because he did use that education for the short amount of time he actually got it. He helped it to help his people um, survive at the end a little bit for as as much as he could. Absolutely, yeah, because, you know, and um, that was a bit... They didn't make, like, a big, big turning point, but I felt it was a good turning point for him to realize, like, I don't have to fight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, what's the uh, Hacksaw Ridge? It's like the Hacksaw Ridge effect. Exactly. Exactly. Um, if anyone's not seen that movie, um, uh, you guys at least probably know the premise of... Like, instead uh, of taking lives, go save them. Yeah. So, um, may- maybe, um, what's the character's name in Hacksaw Ridge? Maybe he got inspiration from him. <laughs> <laughs> 
somehow. Desmond Doss. Um, so yeah, and, and um, I really like I, I can't applaud enough the fact that they were given a big budget because it really shows on screen. Oh, they showcased everything. I mean, this was technically a war movie, and the fact that they like they go from different countries, and you see him traveling to all these different places um, to, throughout his journey. This felt like uh, you're following him throughout um, the world, really, and um, you. And there were some major battle action sequences, so it definitely upped the production value. And like they, like you said, you know, it's a, it's a big budget, but they used every penny of it. Yeah, just even, the, you know, I, again, I'm much more familiar with um, <coughs> World War II movies. So to see even, like, technology and costuming mm-hmm. brought down just a couple of years um, was really fascinating. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, so why don't we talk about uh, the events in the city, right? A lot of the, the, the city becomes the catalyst for a lot of this. Um, he starts to grow, and as his mother said, that's a different life. Well, it very much is, right? I mean, he's never known this life. And, uh, you know, uh, in terms of, I don't know, what were your impressions? Obviously, building the love triangle there, meeting friends, whatever. Yeah, well, like, I like the, the change of the emotional tone of the cities because you go to Constantinople, which is, like, just a new world for him. And it's bright and beautiful and cheery. And, like, the people and just the culture he's in, it is kind of a culture shock, but it's a beautiful one for him. And the fact that it changes on a dime within the same city once, you know, the the country goes into war and now he's fleeing it, which is like a place of hope and, you know, prosperity is now a place of despair. Um, and I think it, just the city itself changed. But um, I, I did like the establishment of the, the love triangle, so to speak, the, the relationship, because it, being in a new place, you, you know, you, you meet new people. And I, I think you, you can see the whole city changes within a few minutes but i i I liked it 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 was a nice journey just to watch and they they did a decent you know they strategically didn't have chris come into it until later on right so it it allowed Mm -hmm. um michael and anna that bonding moment um beforehand and then obviously sort of both were taken aback because now chris chris is in the picture Mm-hmm. And also, it established their support system. You got the the friends, you got the family that were in Constantinople that now are also in the thick of all of this, and you're you're rooting for the family too. You know, hope that they survive as well. So they they established like everyone that you're supposed to care about in this film within Constantinople. Absolutely. Um, speaking of people we care about, um, obviously the the family, the 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 cousins, the uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought, uh, the theme of family, let's just say, certainly wasn't lost. No, it wasn't. Um, I thought that that was a very, just the way they, both acting-wise, um, theme-wise, and I'm talking, like, they they did a really good job of, of, of hammering that nicely. Yeah, and, like, the value, and you can see that, like, there is genuine love and support for each other, and then when he has to leave it, it, it kind of breaks your heart. Like, he, he doesn't know if he's with his family or if they're survived. And then watching him just get back to his family is a journey in and of itself. And then, not to jump ahead, but, like, losing the family at the end. You're like, oh, no, what? Well, like, we, we were watching the whole movie caring about them just to lose them at the end is really sad. Well, I mean, that's, um, I think, much like him, where, you know, we go through not exactly the same experience, but just watching it. We have that sympathy and empathy towards Mikhail. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get your take because, um, and probably let's say the second scene, right? We're at the birthday party and we have the various heads of state, if you will. Um, and this is where Chris sort of, he really shoots his mouth off. Uh. But in some sense, it's kind of like, I, th- I think where he doesn't get enough credit, like he foresaw what was happening. Yeah. More so, I mean, you would think from from that perspective, like Anna, who's Armenian, and and uh, Mikhail, who's Ar- like, I get that they're not trying to cause trouble, um, you know. So, and it's funny, obviously, at that point in time, we didn't quite have like the rude American stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, but although, yeah, I mean, that's what he's displaying—the rude American. But, um, and I didn't really know where the film was going at that point, um, so I couldn't judge it. But now, in hindsight, like it's like 
he should listen to him. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was really sad that people overlooked him because he was the stereotypical rude American that was just drunk. And you're like, uh, you automatically <coughs> dismiss him and forget what he's actually talking about. And like you said, hindsight is twenty twenty. But I think it was just unfortunately masked by rudeness that no one listened to him. It was really sad, too, because uh, it built his, it built, you know, Chris as, you know, kind of the a-hole character. And you're like, so I felt throughout watching the rest of the movie, it's like he has to redeem himself in some way because he's already established as a D-bag. Um, but I liked watching him throughout the film. It's like, okay, he's doing X, Y, and Z to help get the word out properly mm. of the, the atrocities that are happening. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a, in thinking back on it and fairly early on after that scene, I, I started to really understand him a lot more. And to me, the reason why he drank was because he'd seen so much that no one else had seen. And to that point, as I said, he foresaw what was about to happen. Mm-hmm. And the fact that no one was listening to him, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough position to be in. How do you not drink at that point, unfortunately? And the fact that he was at least somewhat sober with his argument, uh, I don't know. I know it's not the best thing, but I applaud him. Yeah, it's true. And especially it wasn't like the right time or place to be drunk, and especially around all those officials, you know, and authority. Um, and also, I think this particular scene set up kind of the the love triangle you're like okay he's the a-hole in in this triangle so that's just another aspect of why an, a regular audience member would be rooting for Mikhail and and Anna to be together because you don't want Anna to be with the a-hole um yeah I mean again in terms of the love triangle I didn't mind it but I think um I think it, to most people most critics it could have been a little bit stronger, but at the same time, I don't knock the movie as much as they do because of that. Yeah. No. Um, let's see. Um, when things started, I actually thought for, even though it's a somewhat lengthier movie, things move fast. Like, did you see oh, yeah. the ending? Like, we were moving. Yeah, especially, I mean, once, we, you know, the, every, the whole community is walking, trying to get down to the beach, not to <coughs> jump ahead, but... Again, there was a lot of action in this film, and there were the scenes where it could have like it slowed down when it came to the love triangle and relationships. But when there was action and there was bombing, there was fights. There, you know, it was a war movie, and yes, it is a lengthy film. But I didn't like check my watch at any time, or you know, and not once did it lose my attention. No, not at all. It had, you know, I'm just even thinking like when he comes to the, um, um. The, the the medical school, you know, we get a really quick shot of, okay, here he is, boom, cut, okay, he's walking, boom, cut, okay, now he's walking through the corridor, boom, cut, all right, now we're in class, and now we slow down because he's meeting some friends, but mm-hmm. <coughs> I could see other movies really taking their time of like, here we are. Yeah, but I think they did a good um, job of establishing all of our characters, whereas we've just talked about a film where they didn't take a lot of time establishing characters. Um, but I, I felt, yes, because of a lengthy time, we did get enough time with each person to care about them at the end, whether they lived or died, or if they helped each other or not. Absolutely. Um, what did you, how would you describe, for you, that the tone shift, when it goes, like, okay, we get that, um, we, we get the title card, okay, we're in 1915, things are different, basically. And all of a sudden, everyone's having to go to war. And, oh, it's the Armenians having to go to war. Um, and that, right, what was that tone shift for you like? Because that's where the movie now all of a sudden gets into the genocide part of it. Well, it was an interesting shift because it started off beautiful, sunny Constantinople like a regular day. And then we know that, you know, they're fleeing literally in the streets at night. So it's it was a mix of even, the, I think, the lighting too. You saw fires, but... It still looked beautiful with the, the warm color tones. But then it breaks to a love scene where that I felt like that was like the transition of here's romance and something beautiful to something terrible at the end. Um, and I think I think the I think they used the, the love scene romance as a good bridge to something of happiness to something terrible. 
Um, I didn't mind it, though. I didn't mind it. It was a nice break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed... I, I, I like that they need, they picked very strategic moments of when to sort of play a little bit lighter with it, um, given the circumstances. Um, but that's... I think what what it showed uh, was the strength of, you know, as they would say, the, their people. Mm-hmm. The fact that despite this... Uh, certainly in the end card when at the end of the movie when it comes up um i forget it verbatim but you know it says like yeah we'll be happy and the fact that <clears throat> they're going through the street and now afterwards they, they, they're in safety and laughing um not necessarily about it but just laughing in general shows the strength of of what these people were yeah and i think it did a good job of establishing um now we know who's who, and like we're already rooting for certain characters. Now you're just watching them travel throughout and hoping that they survive throughout this journey. Um, and but also taking it away, taking the actual characters away from Constantinople and moving it into a different location and how it affected those people in that location. I, I think it just got more progressively dramatic while we're watching the film. I agree. Um, and they had very distinct tone shifts, right? So that was sort of one of the first tone shifts. The second tone shift um, was very much when things are in motion and he gets taken away. He's at, mm-hmm. he's building the railroads. That was a huge shift. Yeah. Uh, also in color scheme, it was a shift. Indeed. It, it went from warm, <coughs> sunny to literally monochromatic gray. Mm-hmm. Um. And just in that sense, too, uh, now, now that you say that, it it reminds me, like, we, we saw the gamut of the Armenian mentality, right? When we're there, they're very much like, listen, death is better than this, which is ultimately why that guy ended up just like, okay, why don't I bomb this place? Why don't I just bomb this? You know, and tell them, thank you. Right. <laughs> um, thank you. Because death at that point for them was was better, um, at least from their perspective, but not for um, not for Mikhail, you know, and and so then then as he goes and journeys, we get a, a, a different perspective, and then uh, you know when they get to the rocks, a third perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my my mom was my favorite in the sense that as soon as Anna comes there, he's dead. She knew exactly oh, yeah. what was going. She's no, he's dead. Um, I th- and I thought that was like really. Um telling also because it's also we got to just protect Mikhail because we saw him the scene before we know he's not dead but I think that also shifted with the, the characters too and I that put that wrench in the, the love triangle where you think someone's dead that's always very dramatic too and you're like oh no it's, it, this relationship is over but you know it'll be more rewarding once they actually reunite and you know it was that, that, that romantic build up like knock it down just to build it back up Yeah, I guess uh Going back to Chris real fast, one of the, you know, and in, in, in discussing with you, the moment when I knew he wasn't a bad guy was the moment, remember, he was with the guy and he was taking the pictures and then he steals the car real fast to go take photos of, yeah. of the procession of, of horses mm-hmm. and then they start chasing him. That's when I knew it was like, okay, like, this guy's not afraid to get his hands dirty, number one, in the sense of getting up close and personal, and number two, like, I get what he's doing. He want, he's trying to showcase this to the world. Yeah, he's getting answers. Um, I, I agree because it showed that he he actually used his skills as a journalist um, and his reporting curiosity. Um, I like the fact that he, he found out what was happening. He And then once we saw that actual terrible shot of one of the soldiers shooting the woman, cold-blooded, um, you know, point blank, that and, and we saw that the character was automatically affected. It's like, oh, no, he knows this is wrong. And using that um, to get the the information out there, like um, also a turn in in the film because now we're actually witnessing it. Um, I, I think that added to his character. He's like oh, something's wrong here. So yeah, yeah, and I, I yeah, you know, um, I think if I had to guess, they did the the two line properly in the sense that. The reveal of the horrors of the actual genocide was similar to the way probably the Armenians were experiencing it. We're like, okay, is it isolated? Okay, well, how bad is it? Is it, you know, what what's really going on? Is it just rebel factions? Um, but you know, and in some sense, 
obviously they were duped, and even if they weren't, obviously they didn't really have much of a choice in the matter when someone's trying to kill you. They're trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you're figuring out, uh, just like they are, the full scope of what's actually happening and what really are your options, which not a lot. Not a lot. Well, not a lot. But, like, this is where I was starting to like his character because he did use his skills for good. And but also, you know, when we follow his character throughout and also getting arrested and you're like, oh, no, is he going to die because of all this? Um, you're actually rooting for him. You're like, <coughs> he's, he's the good guy who's doing right. And uh, I'm kind of I am glad that his character made it through the end because essentially he is the good guy. I loved. Um, is it is it the farmer from Babe when he comes in at the end? and He's like, hey, listen, you shoot my you shoot our guy. That's an act against the United States. Yeah. Um, I really like that moment because it, that's, moment. it also showed like just that third party coming in into the the American party coming in rooting and you know you got to root for America, but but showing that now this is a bigger worldly thing when another a whole another country is getting involved. Yeah. So, well, and you know we've seen through lines of like that like in World War II, right? The major storyline in a lot of movies is okay. When is America going to get involved? Mm-hmm. And this obviously was similar. Okay, when is America? And this was potentially the start. Had they shot him, yeah, it would have. <coughs> it would have been that. It's like, well, you're also declaring war on America now. Yeah. So if we don't get involved, um, especially for something, it's like you you can't accuse Chris for fabricating quote unquote when he's actually telling the truth. You guys, you are actually denying all this, but he's the one actually getting it out there. Yeah, and um, I thought very powerful moment from Chris. Was when he's talking with Emery and said, "Yeah, like, hey, no one's gonna know that you're dead. You will," and yeah. just tears up that little piece of paper. Mm-hmm. I, I felt bad for Emery though too because he he was a good guy, the one unfortunately on the wrong side, but caught in the middle, but still trying to do good. Um, but and- here's you know to that I say, um, don't be discouraged. Like you know when you have someone like that, that's where. You, you sort of have to find the courage within yourself to be like, okay, well, it's an advantageous thing that I am on the other side, so now i got to use that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he did. Unfortunately, he saved, well, like, he he saved his friend. Um, he saved Mikkel at the beginning of the film, and then he also saved Chris, but unfortunately it didn't help save him. No, that, that part of it I was... I felt bad for him, though, especially... Facing the firing squad, you're like, oh, nah, he's a good guy. He is, but um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I would have to rewatch that scene, but I think, you know, the nice part is I think he knew what he did ultimately was the right decision despite how it turned out for him. Yeah. Um, and like I said, that's sometimes it's a, it, you never wish that upon anything. You know, you never wish this upon anything. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that's that's the strength that has to have to sort of prevail i guess mm-hmm. um so i guess let's, let's talk about i mean again the only true best step for me is calling it the promise because when he does make it back through hell yeah. you know <laughs> the, the 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 railroad then being in the water or on the train and everything else it's dodging just... people left and right yeah no i agree because the you have the promise and then seeing this family finally officially making it a family with marriage and and now being pregnant with a child on its way. It's like, yeah, he's fulfilling the promise that he started at the beginning. But to end it with the death of the of his own personal family, that's where it's sad. Um, you know, like and of course not really knowing where the story was going. I had a moment in the film, I was like, what else is left to show? <coughs> like what else do we have to to see after even if the family died what else is there mm-hmm. it's really sad i thought for sure you know jumping a little bit ahead for sure chris would be the one that died oh really okay well i mean the fact that um you know it's both of them left without a lover mm-hmm. i mean i get you know I, I guess that makes story-wise the most sense you know they both lose something um so that way now they can just sort of be friends <laughs> in some yeah. sense without without that competition side of it yeah i i mean i once they 
went when America went out of its way to save Kristoff, like he's not gonna die. That, those were the French. Or the French, but you know, Frenchies. yeah, when they went out of the way to save Chris, like yeah. um, when you got a whole nother party involved, I was like, he's not gonna die. Yeah, so that's where I was like, okay, he's safe. Because I've seen so many bad movies, <laughs> um, and, and no real point that I believe this, but when um, when Anna and Mikhail kiss on the beach, and there's Chris all the way sort of towards the back with mm-hmm. the bombs going off, I was like. Is he going to die watching them kiss? Oh, that'd be unfortunate. Um, luckily, this was not a B-movie that I'm no- used to normally <laughs> watching, so I didn't go that like, route. Um, but it was really unfortunate that Anna died. I was, like, in in retrospect, watching the film, I was like, I should have known because that was their goodbye moment when they finally had their kiss on the beach. I was like, ah, shoot, there it is. That was the last time they were together. Yeah. No, the, and this is where the romantic person in me i was like oh no like the, the love triangle completely just broke up um yeah i mean I, I, you're definitely right about that that was their their going away moment um and even for me earlier than that one of the things i liked about mikhail is he really steps up in terms of being a leader <laughs> yeah. remember when they're that, having that meeting with everybody yeah. <laughs> and he says like no enough's enough like they're out to get us. And you, you go see my family, you know, just follow the smell and whatnot. But that's what they're doing. So if you believe that they're not, you know, you're going to find out the hard way that they are. Yeah, I think that was amazing acting from Oscar Isaacs at that moment because I was like, that, that's an Oscar-worthy performance, just that scene alone. Um, it's really sad because that was the follow-up to him finding his family dead in the river and also almost losing his mom at that. The mom is still alive at that point. But the just having that sad knowledge of he's witnessed everything going on and actually using that to help save these people that he's now with, um, I thought that was a good turning point for his character, showing he is stepping up despite everything that's happening. Um, I really I enjoyed his performance during this whole movie, though. Yeah. Um, any other story beats? And I know we kind of jumped around and things like that, but overall, it um, it keeps it simple. It tells it really well, but keeps it simple. Yeah, I was very disappointed. I mean, I mentioned it, how how Anna died, drowning, really after everything she went through, after crossing countries and dodging bullets left and right, and and a battle, she she dies from something as simple as drowning. It's simply, but it, you know, don't take away the fact that, like, it's not just a matter of being able to swim and so forth. Um, when you're in an ocean of that, like, a lot is happening. A lot's happening. There's I, currents, you know what I mean? There's under toes, yeah. I think it was just really upsetting when, like, it was more so, like, we were so close to the end. She was literally in the boat to salvation, and so was Jack and Titanic. He was so close to the end. They were so close. And then, like, I think it was the cinematography, too, that, like, really got me choked up. It was, like, that slow, like, she's reaching, trying to, like, try to... They're reaching towards each other, and she just, like, keeps going down. I'm like, Didn't oh, that happen in Titanic, too? No. Yeah. Well, that's when Rose let her go. Or let him go. But the, it was just sad that, like, she was fighting for her life, and she didn't... She couldn't fight hard enough. Mm-hmm. And... I think it was more, I was just more upset at the fact that she died from something. After everything, ironically, she just <coughs> dies from drowning. Fair enough. That's where I was mad at the end. I was like, ah, no. Um, I just look at drowning ain't no, uh, ain't no joke. That's, that's, oh, no. that's legit. It's a joke. But it, it was just really unfortunate. She got so close. Fair enough. And then nothing. Um, but I'm glad, you know, I may not be happy with the way it happened but um in some sort of strange perhaps sadistic way it it, it it's you know it kept it, it it got rid of the love triangle i'll just put it that way that's a matter of fact <laughs> it ended the love triangle yes when you take a point out it is it's no tough because triangle. i i like both people i, I liked all three people i liked anna so much in all of this because there was not one moment where she like she she was a person you couldn't root for um, but it just goes to show a lot of good people died in the Armenian genocide. And For no good reason. 
and um, you know they're to be remembered, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, um, so why don't we talk about the production side of things? Um, in terms of Jer- uh, Terry George, uh, done a lot of interesting movies. Obviously, Reservation um, Road. In the Name of the Father. I don't know if you've seen that one. That's an interesting movie. It's, it's quite old at this point. Um, Hotel Rwanda, as we talked about. Um, so he's he's known. Uh, you know, I think I think he does very serious movies grounded within history. Like in the Name of the Father is like R R I R A. You know, um, the whole UK stuff and, okay. and whatnot. Um, tur- turbulence there, riots and so forth. A very interesting movie. So he deals with heavy subject matter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, he hasn't really put out a good comedy yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, are you familiar with most of his work? I have seen Hotel Bawanda. I admittedly haven't seen anything else other than Hotel Bawanda and Now the Promise. But knowing Hotel Bawanda and how serious um, that movie was. And I remember at the at the end of that film, I was I was watching it with my mom. And, like, at the end, we were both talking to each other and decompressing. We are like, are you okay? Because <laughs> it is such serious, heavy movie. That's a movie that can ruin your entire day. Just, like, emotionally, it puts you into that state. And I feel like this movie is kind of, like, the same deal in its own way. Um, it just leaves this resonating feeling with you. And I think George did a great job of, you know, getting that out there. Absolutely. Um, in terms of the cinematography... Um, Javier, I'm going to butcher his last name, Aguirre Sorobe, um, known for the others, Vicky Cristina Barcelona, Blue Jasmine, um, primarily shot in um, Portugal, Malta, Spain, um, and pretty much somewhat lasting till like the end of December. Uh, yeah, that would make sense um, for the cinematography because the others, Vicky Cristina Barcelona and Blue Jasmine, all have that orange, yellowish, warm colored tone palette, mm-hmm. um, which I enjoyed. It's actually it's very visually pleasing to look at. Yeah, again, cinematography was one of a lot of things stood out, but cinematography definitely a standout point in, in all of it. Yeah, and they filmed Portugal, Malta, and Spain. So you, you got your European countries in there, and there were actually because of like such a, the heavy topics and whatnot, um, there were some countries that were against this film in the making of it, and they didn't. Oh, want, Turkey. Yeah, they didn't want to get involved, rightfully so. So that's why it's in um, these particular countries and not the others. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, here's a quick little trivia thing um, on the human side of things. Um, where they flee to in the movie um, is ironically now a lot of Syrians are fleeing there um, for for safety. Wow. So it's it's the reverse. You know how people are like they were flee- fleeing there to then go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Now they're f- fleeing there to sort of in, get away from somebody else. In reverse effect. Yeah. Um, but it shows that, like, because of these, you know, bordering countries, like, how involved everyone easily, um, you know, got involved with because of the war. And especially, like, the countries aren't as big as um, our countries that we know. Like, America is not nearly as big. So it's it's easier. I shouldn't say not like I know this, but it's you can cross borders to different countries faster because the countries are so small. So. Um, indeed. Well, um Let's see. I couldn't really. I mean, in terms of the score itself, um, I didn't really have any issues. I, I nothing really stood out for me. But at the same time, it was all just beautiful. So then, uh, I don't know. Did did you sort of remember the music? I mean, it was very cultural. Like I was aware that it was fitting of their culture, mm-hmm. whether you know it was Turkish at some points or Armenian. Um, so I, I appreciate that side of it i noticed there was different types of music (coughs) near the beginning when we had anna like dancing with the girls you had that that record playing type of music and then also it it changes with the scores when we're watching uh mikhail cross the country and borderlines um the i think the scene where i noticed it the most was when they're actually they're on the hill so close to the beach and they're bombing there's explosives going off 
every which way. But when everyone's in the boat, literally on their way to the ship, that's where I noticed that the music swell, especially when Anna drowns, all you hear is music, which is really sad. At that point, yeah, because you ain't got talking. Not at all. Nope. Um... But we had uh, Gabrielle Yared, who um, is actually an Academy Award-winning composer, so he, he knows what he's doing. He's worked on English Patient, Royal Affairs, so, you know, time period movies. In his wheelhouse. Yeah, definitely up in his in his wheelhouse. Um, and there was an original song called The Promise, written and performed by um, Chris Cornell. Um, and uh, so that, that was featured in there. And then there was an Armenian folk song, by uh, Grammy winner um, Ser, Ser um, Tankian, um, who performed that as well. Yeah. So um, definitely, they used their they they did use Armenian um, artists for this film. Yeah. And just all in all, the the passion towards the subject matter, um, whether you disagree with it or not, <coughs> in terms of the final result, um, definitely was evidenced throughout the making of it. Oh, you know, yeah, and I don't think it showed Armenia in a bad light whatsoever. It just showed the the bad things that happened to this country, and at the end of this film, you're just feeling for them. Indeed. Um, speaking of, uh, remember I mentioned that movie? Uh, so it's the Ottoman Lieutenant that was in the movie um, that was simultaneously being made. Now it was actually started shooting. They say about a couple months ahead of um, of this movie, The Promise. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when it started coming time to release both films, um, they kind of kept switching, and the Ottoman M- lieutenant kept switching just based on the schedule of this. Um, I do want to get your opinion on when this movie should have come out. Like, why not just come out for Oscars? Because they had it finished. Um, it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not just let it? Yeah. Be an Oscar contender. I'm surprised because it should have been. The production value is there. The acting is great. I mean, Oscar Isaacs is freaking phenomenal in this film. I mean, even Christian Bell, and I don't really even like Christian Bell. But I, <coughs> you have a star-studded cast already, and Charlotte Laban is just an amazing actress as well. Um, the, the production value is there. The storyline is a heavy storyline. Like, this movie does kind of scream Oscar, and I'm just surprised it didn't come out at that time. And it would have gotten more recognition, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's also because it's getting such unfortunate controversy about this film. Maybe they just didn't want it, a, a controversial movie, during Oscar season. Uh, I don't know. That's a tough... Like, you always knew this was going to be a controversial take on things. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, the whole point was to educate <clears throat> people about this. Um, you know, we'll talk about the IMDb controversy. Yeah. Um, but a lot, you know, it has a lot of celebrity support. Leonardo DiCaprio, he wrote that Oscar Isaac, Christian Bale, um, Charlotte, under the direction of Terry, provide extraordinary performances in the film. The promise I applaud the entire team. Um, George Clooney and his wife, uh, Orlando Bloom, Elton John, Barbara Streisand, Sylvester Stallone, Cher, Kim Kardashian. Like these are all people that are really behind the movie, so um, you would think like let it have some Oscar buzz. Yeah, and I think it's just unfortunate that maybe the the marketing team didn't think that this movie would be strong enough on its own during Oscar season. That could be. I'm not saying that is, but that could have been a factor too. That maybe they just didn't um, have enough faith that it could stand alone in the Oscar race. Yeah. Well. I mean, <coughs> one of the interesting parts is there's a lot of private screenings, if you will. Private screenings, yeah. For uh, for whether it's let's let's call them community groups. I know there's been one in Washington D.C. for members of Congress. Um, Maria Menounos uh, um, actually attended um, one here in Los Angeles that she was invited to, um, and I was like wondering, wait, she's going to the premiere, but. They're strategically picking people that um, are of influence and, um, you know, telling the story to them. So at the very least, it's it's getting out its message in that way to influential people, even if it's not necessarily doing it in the box office. 
Yeah, and that's good because this is such a heavy subject that people should be more informed of. And it was like, admittedly, and we said it at the top of this film, like, we didn't really know about it. And I think that just shows, like, how much that this, you know, um, this genocide was pushed to the wayside that no one really knew about it. Oscar Isaac didn't know about it. Yeah, and Christian Bale didn't even know about it. And I, I think it's... It's good that like films like this can really shed light on such a topic that we should know. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so um, overall, though, only if <coughs> here's the interesting part. So only a forty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but a ninety five percent audience score with a cinema score of A minus. Yeah, so very conflicting scores and numbers. I mean, uh, so Rotten Tomatoes. The consensus is the promise wastes an outstanding cast and powerful real life story on a love triangle that frustratingly fails to engage. Again, I think if you're going in for this movie just for the romantic love triangle, you're not going to get it. In a way, it's like that's not what this film is about. I feel like the love triangle is something to like for the audience to enjoy watching the film but if you're going in it just for the romantic movie it's not that type of movie no and so i think people are confusing it in the the wrong way and um just shame on critics and sense like it's a much better movie than a 45 oh yeah give it a you know like let's make it fresh at least Mm -hmm. yeah um Benjamin Lee of The Guardian gave the film three out of five stars, called it often soapy but well-intentioned and extravagantly mounted epic. Um, Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times gave it three out of four, saying, yes, the promise veers into corny territory, and yes, it's derivative of better war romances, but it's a solid and sobering reminder of the atrocities of war, bolstered by strong performances from Isaac and Bale, two of the best actors of their generation. Interesting, interesting. I think, like, for the production value of this film, it's incredible. I was like, the, the color palette, the editing, the acting. It's like, there's so much that this film did well for. And I think even the writing, too, because it, I think it balances, yes, we have this romantic love story, but also the the terribleness of a war going on and all, all the atrocities that's happening with people. I think there's a balance on both, both like good and bad. Um, well, why don't we talk about the INDB controversy now? Um, you want to, you want to kick us off? Uh, well, it's interesting before this film was like officially released because the, because Turkey government and you know Ottoman Empire is still in denial that of this genocide, um, and the the people who are in denial for that because of you know osmosis more so, um, there was a lot of like a hundred thousand plus people went to IMDb to already give it a one star rating because they were so against the the people who are in denial they're against this genocide so they automatically pretty much lobbied all these people to give it a one-star rating before yeah. the movie even came out. I don't think 100,000 peop- 100, people as of yet actually have seen the movie. Yeah, exactly. So, let alone in October after the screening at um, Toronto. Yeah, it, it was like based on 143... Sorry, you know me and numbers. Um, American At the time <laughs> of its American release, the film had... A 5.5 out of 10 rating from 129,241 votes currently, over in, which like brought down the numbers because over 100,000 people already rated this film at one star yeah. before it came out. So once the movie was actually released, they had this humongous one star rating that they had to build upon, which is really sad. It's really sad because then, you know, not that I like this side of it either, but then. How do you keep the actual one star ratings that are that from people who have genuinely seen the movie and I just don't like it? Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I just say, you know, um, again, not every movie's for every person. And I know this is so tied into actual things. Um, but it's the same way, like, people just hate on um, Christian movies or so, so forth. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a much more simpler person. If a good movie's a good movie, Regardless of whether or not I actually believe in the message, 
I'll watch it because at the very least it shows me a different perspective into something. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of which, um, one of the things I, I copied this from a website um, and, and speaking about the legacy, this is what Terry uh, writes. What if back in the 90s the U.S. Department had leaned on Steven Spielberg and asked him not to make his movie Schindler's List because it would upset our NATO ally Germany? Ludicrous, right? Um, but that's the question um, you know, that we sort of have to ask ourselves – in this, like, do we, do we, you know, obviously this is very upsetting to um, Turkey, but, you know, we can't stop making moves just because it makes someone upset. Yeah. And that was that, that yeah. I mean, realistically, it's, it's the, the, the real life story echoes Chris's story in the movie. It does. It's, it does. And, like, it is a heavy topic, but it is still PG-13, which opens, you know, the demographics of who would be wanting to watch this film. And they they also said, uh, well, the director, Terry George, um, also said that he purposely wanted to keep the movie PG-13 so they can use it as an educational tool in schools mm-hmm. um, to, to show and, and teach children and, and, you know, young adults about this. So um, they're... He thought about the marketing aspect of like who he's <coughs> particularly targeting and wants to get this information out to. But I mean, it's PG thirteen, so they can show it in schools to learn. Well, I remember watching Hotel Rwanda in school. So, oh geez, I didn't. Uh, you know, it's it's yeah, it definitely works in that sense. So you can definitely um, introduce it as a subject matter, certainly. So I'm glad, I'm glad for that. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, I think it was it's a beautiful film for the unfortunate subject matter that it is. But again, it's like films like this we need to to watch <coughs> and be more well aware of what happens in the world. I mean, and I think that's a good thing about anatomy of a movie too, because we have covered movies that cover subject matters that I personally don't know, like Trumbo, for example, that covered you know the Communist Party and how that actually affected Hollywood, and we didn't really know. Well, I personally didn't know much about that, so this is another film that I would recommend to people because they just need to know. Yeah, I, I remember when I went, um, there was actually a lot of adults with their kids showing them the movie. I was just very surprised by the number of people at this movie, um, which I'm also surprised why it's not doing better at the box office, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was encouraged by that fact that adults are bringing their kids to see this movie. Yeah. For the educational aspect of it. Definitely uh, educational. Um, so there you have it. Um, again, um, by no means are we experts on the Armenian wars. Uh, however, we hope that, that we've done it justice and opened uh, everyone's eyes and to at least explore further. Whether or not, I don't, you know, I I don't want to offend one party or another. If for some reason you honestly you disagree with the army, you know, at least have an educated opinion about it. Do some research. Um, you know, at the same token, if you know nothing about it, at the end of the day, just do your research. Mm-hmm. Because so many people are quick to jump one way or the other um, without actual know-how, and um, I think that's the the greatest injustice of all. Yeah. Just do your research. Absolutely. And this, and I think that the timing of this also, you know, we're talking about timing that the, you know, the, the date of the time of the Armenian genocide, that the anniversary yes. was just this week, um, being of April 2017. So, I mean, that, I think that is another factor why they wanted to release it now closer to the anniversary. This is true. Yes. Thank you for bringing that point up. Yeah. Um, well, there you have it. Uh, please comment below. Um, I would love to know. Your thoughts and opinions on the movie. If there's some great uh, books or research material that you in particular have seen, um, there's uh, more and more so now. I think documentaries will be coming out that I've heard sort of be be launched about this. So I'm curious to see those. So if you do, you know, feel free to add that in the comment section what you thought of that and if it's worth checking out. Um, but for me, for my money's worth, the, the thing I'll end with is that there's a lot. Unfortunately, a lot more genocides out there, and um, you know, as I said, understanding understanding is the start of it all. Yes, Marissa, your final thoughts. Um, It's a beautiful film. I probably watched this again to maybe pick up on more details that I, you know, didn't pick up on. And I think overall, this is a very solid film, and it's just unfortunate that this yet this is yet another movie that's not getting the recognition it deserves. Um, But hopefully. We're recognizing it for people <coughs> who may not know. 
Absolutely. So thank you guys, as always, for watching us. There's a ton of other um, great anatomies that we have in our archives. Um, some as heavy as this, some as lighter, you know, some a little bit lighter if uh, you need something that's not as quite as heavy right now. Um, so check it out, and we'll be definitely doing a lot more coming up, whether it's Dunkirk, whether it's Guardians of the Galaxy, um, so on and so forth, Spider-Man Homecoming, lots to look forward to. Thank you guys as always. Check out other Popcorn Talk shows here on the network. Um, we'll see you guys next time on another Anatomy of a Movie. Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.